Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. We're excited to announce our latest podcast launching this week called Behind the Billions. Coming from the two co-creators of Billions, Brian Koppelman and David Levine give a behind-the-scenes look into Billions Season 5. Following each episode's airing on Showtime, the podcast will impact the writing of the script, exclusive stories from production, interviews with cast and crew, and much more. The first episode is out now, so make sure to subscribe to Behind the Billions on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. A lot to get into this week. Um, Amanda, your husband, Zach Barron, wrote about Robert Pattinson in GQ. We will talk about that. Of course, some Meghan and Harry news. As always, it's just another week here in the world. Um, There's a Zoom (laughs) room that's very hard to get into that Page Six wants us to know about. We'll discuss that. And I just want to talk about this Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande video. But first, probably no surprise if you've listened to this podcast before, we'd like to talk about the Allison Roman and Chrissy Teigen affair that transpired um, across all social media platforms in the last like five days. And let's just lay out exactly what happened. Sound good? I think that's good. Allison Roman did an interview with the new consumer. And in her interview, she talks about like what kind of fame she would and would not like to have. And in so doing, she insulted Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo. And very quickly, many people come sort of noted that she was kind of calling out two women of color in the similar food and lifestyle space. Chrissy Teigen's much closer to, I think, Alison Roman's metier than than Marie Kondo. And um, it sort of ignited a a Twitter firestorm about Alison Roman, the way that she spoke in this interview, and then more broadly, sort of who has ownership over what in the cooking space. And we'll read her quotes in a moment. And then from there, Chrissy Teigen responded on Twitter saying that it really hurt and she was very upset about it. And then Allison Roman apologized. And then Chrissy Teigen protected her tweets because she was getting, after her initial support, she was getting a lot of blowback. And then Allison Roman apologized again, which um, I think Chrissy Teigen kind of implicitly accepted because then she unprotected her tweets and came back with another explanation, sort of like burying the hatchet and wanting to move on. And meanwhile, this sort of became a, a growing discussion on Twitter and very notably page six started covering it absolutely breathlessly and unfairly. Would you say, did we miss any of the important beats here, Amanda? No, I thought that that was a very uh, straightforward uh, and text-based summary, Juliet. Great job. Thanks. And I think also you and I are really going to try to keep this conversation to the text as much as possible because this became a very big thing. And as all uh, Twitter storms and kind of internet discussions do, it mutated. It went a lot of different directions. And yes. there are a lot of uh, interesting things to talk about and important things to talk about. One thing that I have been thinking a lot about as a person who cooks a lot and a person who um, reads recipes and who uh, uses Alison Roman's cookbooks and uses the New York Times cooking app and uses Bon Appetit um, is kind of the one of the larger conversations that was happening over the weekend, which you alluded to, which is, um, and this is a conversation that is happening in the food writing world, but also happens in pretty much every industry everywhere at this point, which is, whose work is being used and uh, who gets credit and money for it. And 
that is a conversation that uh, involves Alison Roman, but it's obviously larger than Alison Roman. And I think it's like an important one and something that I will be thinking more about as I continue to seek out recipes and pursue my own home cooking, if you will. Um, I think for for jam session conversation, we want to steer it a little bit more towards um, how celebrities speak in public and how they manage their own publicity and and image as it will as you will because you have two contrasting strategies here in Allison Roman and Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. And so she she I think the other reason why this is particularly interesting to us is not only have we discussed Allison Roman multiple times recently and cuz she's has a real cachet in culture right now is she was very very specifically talking about what it's like to be famous and how she wants to be famous. And so here's here's what she said. The idea that when Marie Kondo decided to capitalize on her fame and make stuff that you can buy, that is completely antithetical to everything she's ever taught you. I'm like, damn, bitch, you effing, she said the, the full F word, just sold out immediately. Someone's like, you should make stuff. And she's like, okay, slap my name on it. I don't give a shit. That's the thing. You don't need a ton of equipment in your kitchen to make great food. For the low, low price of $19.99, please to buy my cutting board. Like, no, find the stuff that you love and buy it. Support businesses and makers. It feels greedy. Unless something just simply didn't exist that I wish existed, but that would make it mean that would make an inventor, which I'm not. She then goes on and says, like what Christy Teigen has done is so crazy to me. She has a successful cookbook. And then it was like, boom, line at target. Boom. Now she has an Instagram page that has over a million followers where it's just like people running a content farm for her that horrifies me. And it's not something that I ever want to do. I don't aspire to that, but like who's laughing now because she's making a ton of effing money. I don't know why I'm, I'm censoring out the F bombs here. I, very, very weird choice by me, but it just felt, it feels coarse to say them because this entire, um, statement from her, which she obviously, she gave over the phone or in person and she said, but reading it back is so uncomfortable and so cringeworthy that I think that the F bombs feel worse than usual. I think coarse is a really great word. And I do think there are a lot of reasons this started and they're like, I have eight things to say about the quotes you just read. But one of them is because of that coarseness and just unfiltered isn't even the word. It is she is just being rude, honestly. And I think that I am saying that because Alison Roman will get to this apology, but she has since acknowledged that these were rude and her word was stupid comments. And I'm, we're going to try to learn from this and not name call unless, but I think because she has acknowledged that we can just go with, there was something very like abrasive to the nature of these and people do not talk this way. And I, I do think that a part of Alison Roman's success has been that she has embraced this like quote, candid, Like, I don't really care. I'm just going to give it to you um, tone in like her recipe writing and in how she Instagrams that you could perhaps contrast with the more traditional Ina Garten kind of, isn't this, how easy is that vibe of- How easy is that? How (laughs) easy is that? And listen, I say that as someone who loves Ina Garten, as we all know. So that has been that tone and that um, spikiness. How about that? Has been part of her appeal, I think, to a lot of people. And but this was really an extra level of that. And it was it took me aback. I think it took everybody aback. So that's one part of it. We have to we have to address the um, specific Marie Kondo comment. Yes. um, Up top, because that was just a problem. Yeah. Um, I think specifically the 
quote where she's like pretending for the low, low price of 1999, et cetera, et cetera. It sounds like she's speaking like broken English as a way of like making fun of Marie Kondo. She went on to say that that was actually um, based on a, a European cookbook called Please to Come to the Table, I believe, that she and her friends say to each other. But in this context, it comes off um, pretty offensive and something we certainly don't condone. I think she has come to really regret. Um, and there's just like, there's no excuse, but Alison Roman also didn't make an excuse for herself in her second apology yesterday, kind of really being frank about she, how she realized this was a product of sort of her own ignorance and her own station in the world, which has happens to be a pretty, um, fortunate one, which she also talks about, but the Marie Kondo, um, the Marie Kondo comments are just really awful. And I think we all, I think we all acknowledge that. And that's kind of what makes it difficult to talk about is because I think she knows she was wrong and we all just acknowledge that it's, um, just really not, it's just ugly. So, you know, I, I think it's easier to talk about this today for us as commentators that she kind of issued a second, really thorough apology, which like is kind of sick to say, but is true. It helps kind of bring some balance to this conversation and I'm happy to have it. Yes. Because as you said, it's just inexcusable, ugly stuff. And the only answer is to apologize like immediately and to do better. And there was kind of a lag time in that apology and it was definitely harder to talk about. So she has apologized and hopefully will do better. There's really nothing that you or I want to add to that. No, there's not. I think, I think the Chrissy Teigen piece is more complicated only because Chrissy Teigen was a lot more vocal in responding. Like as far as I know, Marie Kondo hasn't issued a statement. Um, perhaps I'm wrong about that though. I've been following this pretty closely. Chrissy Teigen took to her Twitter pretty swiftly. And on Friday, she, um, she said, this is a huge bummer and it hit me hard. I've made her recipes for years now, bought the cookbook, supported her on social and praised her in interviews. I even signed on to executive produce the very show she talks about doing in this article. Um, she said, I don't think I've ever been so bummed out by words of a fellow food lover. I just had no idea I was perceived that that way by her, especially and Marie too. Marie is awesome. It's been crappy to deal with this all day, but I could not say something. I couldn't not say something. I know the actual tears I put into the work I do. And it's really hard to see someone try to completely invalidate it. Someone I really like. Um, that was a really genuine statement from Chrissy Teigen. So I think immediately us included people felt really bad for her. It sucks to be swiped at. Like, even if they didn't have any kind of relationship, which kind of puts all of this into a, a weirder perspective, it sucks for Chrissy Teigen to sort of be like the example that Allison Roman is using here. And so in that respect, um, Chrissy Teigen really takes the high road and just sort of being like, I'm sad. And I have to say, I, you know, I think Chrissy Teigen overall is really popular. I think she definitely has her detractors, which drove her off Twitter, but she does come across as genuine. I think because we also know that she's talked about her depression and her mental health struggles and her mom living with her. And she has, she has found a way to remain genuine and authentic and candid in a way that doesn't feel like a Instagram or marketing strategy. And it really helped frame a lot of this conversation for me for like understanding it among, you know, cause it, I think it's very often very often you wouldn't necessarily side with Chrissy Teigen because she is way more influential, way more famous, way more successful already. But yeah, I feel really terrible for her. Um, cause she clearly does work hard and cares a lot about her work. I don't think anyone questions that. Yeah, I agree. When Chrissy Teigen put up the, these, this Friday thread, um, I was both, I was both very moved by it and I was just kind of like game over. Um, I, in terms of understanding how to be a personality in 2020, And knowing both the work that goes into that and the strategy that goes into that, which you and I have talked about at great length on this podcast, and which I think is a skill. I do not mean 
work or strategy in any sort of negative way. It is really hard to be out in front of people and know how to handle millions of people and what they reflect on you on the internet every single day. So in terms of knowing how to navigate that so successfully, and I agree, Juliet, to to still seem genuine and like you're getting a real piece of her, even though, you know, you are getting what Chrissy Teigen decides to share on Twitter and on Instagram, which is different from the experience of her life. It is, that is mediated. That is not calculated because calculated has a negative connotation, but it is considered, right? Yeah. It's it's not exactly. It's, you're not getting a live stream. You're getting what she wants to put out there. Um, and I think, but it does. I think after uh, two months of quarantine, we're all good on live streams. We're like, we're good mm-hmm. here. So Chrissy Teigen, yes, exactly. thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank um, you. But I agree that you still feel like you're getting a connection with a real human being. And I think you put that in contrast with the Allison Roman interview, which I think until she heard from the rest of the world, she would have said, well, I'm just being real. In fact, in this, in the interview, that's kind of what's so funny about it is she's talking about, you know, I have no strategy. I have no, like I run on instinct. I'm just doing what I you know, need to do. And people have trust in me, but being real or being quote yourself can go wrong extremely quickly. Yeah, and, totally. and there is real art in how you do this. And media and people will try to exploit it. And page six in the New York Post did that like pretty quickly. Page six glommed onto the story very quickly and just started like making Allison Roman and Chris Teigen headlines, including one story yesterday. I'm not even going to quote it verbatim because they don't, they don't deserve it for this story. That's like really made me mad. It was Allison Roman looked for a phone sex buddy to help her through quarantine. And she had written a personal essay about her strategies for like dating during quarantine and like wanting someone to talk to and like, whatever, who doesn't want a phone sex buddy in quarantine? You know, it's just like, I think that to then weaponize sort of her mistake and her obvious flub that she really regrets. And that kind of media coverage really sucks. And that's why, and and also like, if she had been a man and that there was like that story about like, Oh, I, I was looking for someone on Tinder. Is that a headline? No. So I, I think that Alison Roman does touch on this quite a bit in her lengthy apology from Monday, where she's just like, this is not how I want to operate with other women. And I, I also really get that. Like being a bitchy woman is like much more of a kind of like emotional mediated story on Twitter than it is as like a, a mean man essentially. And like, it's just like a very different way of discussing it. And I just felt the whole thing. I felt that the coverage around it, and I don't mean people on Twitter. I didn't mean like really like the New York post kind of, turned this into like a very gendered frustrating situation where I then was like, this is, I I want to, I want this all to end. Let's all move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a pile on, I think from every area, which is not to say that the pylon wasn't deserved in certain aspects. I mean, there were a lot of different things that were discussed that were valid. Of course, you know, the internet just kind of the volume of it all just becomes kind of overwhelming, but I do think both that the the interview was like a miscalculation and in many places offensive and that Chrissy Teigen did a great job of presenting her side of things. And then, you know, the fact that then both of them just couldn't use the internet for two days because everyone just needs to chime in and page six is also getting their jokes off. It's a lot. And I, and I will say that my personal experience of this, I got to tell you, I had a, I had a lot of group chats about this. I was definitely, uh, it was a 
thing of attention for a lot of people. And I think some of that is also what, like everyone is in quarantine. There's not that much to discuss. And so everyone is really fixating on it. That's just like a consequence of the attention economy. And, and it did, it does, I think for some people or a lot of people give you that schadenfreude hit and then you actually start thinking about it. And then it just feels like everyone is getting, you know, everyone's feelings are hurt and everyone, it's a bummer and everyone's yelling at each other and taking it too far. And it's just kind of exhausting. And to me, it's like a really neat summary of the internet life cycle as well. Yeah, absolutely. The funny thing is also explaining this to people who don't know who either person is or like only vaguely familiar with Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo and not familiar at all with Alison Roman. I was with a friend yesterday and I was trying to explain this whole situation and he was just like very mystified and he was like, okay, so what happened? Like, you just sort of like who was wrong here and why it's sort of, and so it does really speak to like also digital life, which I'm sure you experience all the time when you talk to friends who are like way less online than we are and like way less invested in online culture. It's just sort of like trying to explain Trying to explain Alison Roman to someone who doesn't, who's not familiar with her work and doesn't care about it is really hard because she is a very specific kind of 21st century celebrity. And I was trying to explain her a few weeks ago to someone else. And she was just sort of like, I don't understand. Like, so who is this person and why does she matter? And that's not, I don't mean that as an insult in any way, but it's just sort of like, she is actually already more than just a cookbook author. And she's more than a recipe creator. She has created more for herself already, but it's very hard to convey that if you're not like native to that kind of celebrity. No, it's a great point. And every time I find myself explaining it to, you know, a friend who has like a a rich life offline, you know, I do the same (laughs) thing that you do. And then they're like, okay, but I don't get it. And I'm I'm like mad at me for having explained this thing to them. I'm like, I didn't make up the internet language. I'm just trying to catch you up. I don't know. Maybe we all should have spent our time doing something different. And that's kind of, that's where we all ended up with this. I, I don't know. I think actually there are probably, there are some useful conversations that came out of it. And I hope like in, you know, three weeks or a month, that the useful part of parts of this can be separated from the real schadenfreude pylon aspects of this. Yeah. Um, but because right now it's just, it just feels like we all spent a lot of time on it. Totally. Chrissy Teigen made a really interesting point when in her initial response to Alison Roman, which I think is like worth mentioning here, which is she tweeted that um, not only was she a really big fan, but she had also been jealous that Alison Roman got to put food on the cover of her cookbook and not her face. Whereas Chrissy Teigen had to put herself on the cover of cravings to like sell it and everything. And I just thought that was like a really interesting note about, and it kind of gets back to the conversation that we alluded to about like sort of who gets to own what parts of the food conversation in the food world. And one of the critiques that also came up was that Alison Roman's um, recipes rely on kimchi, which is, you know, a Korean food and turmeric, which is really common in Indian food and sort of without like acknowledging those cultural roots, which I honestly, I'm not qualified to say if she should or shouldn't or, or whatnot. And I just, but I just thought that sort of that critique along with Chrissy Teigen's comment about like who gets to put what on the cover of their cookbook and cookbooks in particular, I think are not only really useful, but also decorative. Like I, you know, they're a great gift for that reason. And so it's a lot about like selling a phenomenon not just specific recipes. And that's something that both Chrissy Teigen and Alison Roman are really successful at in different ways. And I think that Alison Roman was trying to identify that though, as we said, very coarsely. Yes. And I think how you sell yourself is also a great, and, and how you not sell yourself. Although I, I did want to say one of the other, I think really honestly, anxieties in the Alison Roman interview 
and that comes up and especially directed is to Chrissy Teigen is um, the idea of selling as a negative. Um, right. Uh, which plays into the thing, to the theme we keep talking about, about like who does the work and who gets paid for the work and also just, you know, who gets paid. I would just argue that let people get paid for their hard work. That's where I am with it. It's, there's no selling out. There's no selling out in my book. Okay. Totally. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is try to take money from responsible people and be responsible in the world. But I think both Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo are doing that. And, you know, keep selling. It's not always a bad word. But anyway, both selling yourself and kind of managing who you are in the world and how you talk about um, yourself and your work and walking that fine line between deliberateness and, you know, quote, authenticity. Chrissy Teigen's like second response was, again, I thought really smart and illuminating. And it was after, I, I mean, I guess we shouldn't skip Alison Roman's apology, right? No, we shouldn't. Let's, let's read it. She put a lot yeah. of work into it and she's a writer. It's actually quite long, so I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to repeat. I think that's it. wise. Yeah. <laughs> but you should definitely check it out. It's on the top of her Twitter feed. It's on her Instagram page. And, you know, it takes a lot of guts to be like, I fucked up. Here are the ways in which I fucked up. And I admire that. And I, I you know, I, I, when I saw page six going after her, I really felt bad for her. And I think Chrissy Teigen did too. She acknowledged that in her second response as well. And I think that this, it took a lot of guts to put herself out there like this. And the entire situation is incredibly inelegant. Chrissy Teigen did, you know, really elevated the discourse. And I think that Alison Roman responded in kind. Um, and, you know, I, I, I admire that. I think that this sucks. Uh, she definitely messed up, but it's also really hard to admit it the way that she did. So here are her words. I need to formally apologize to Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo. I use their names disparagingly to try and distinguish myself, which I absolutely do not have an excuse for. It was stupid, careless, and insensitive. I need to learn and respect the difference between being unfiltered and honest versus being uneducated and flippant. The burden is not on them or anyone else to teach me, and I am deeply sorry that my learning came at Chrissy and Marie's expense. They've worked extremely hard to get where they are and both deserve better than my tone-deaf remarks. I asked myself a lot this weekend why I said what I said. Why couldn't I express myself without tearing someone down? I definitely could have, and I'm embarrassed I didn't. Among the many uncomfortable things I've begun processing is the knowledge that my comments are rooted in my own insecurity, my inability to appreciate my own success without comparing myself to and knocking down others. In this case, two accomplished women is something I recognize I most definitely struggle with, and I'm working to fix that. I don't want to be a person like that. She goes on to say, I'm not the victim here. And then I thought this was really bold. It's no one's obligation to accept my apology or to help me improve. That said, I want to be a better listener about these and many other issues. If anyone would like to share their knowledge, guidance, or opinions with me about how I can more responsibly navigate these areas, I owe you my attention. I promise to read any feedback I receive at email. I know some will use this as an opportunity to express their anger. I hope many will share advice. I will read it all. Good for you. I think this is a good, a good second apology. And she obviously, you know, was really chastened by this whole thing, which... It's not surprising. I mean, it really, it stinks. It's also, I think, for, I, I'm sure that she didn't think of her, you know, she said she didn't think of herself as like the kind of woman who tears other women down out of insecurity and like having to acknowledge that maybe you are, is hard. That's usually what people do in private in therapy. And instead she has to do it in public on Twitter. That stinks. Yeah. I do think that this is a, a very good apology and a, and a good model for, for people who need to apologize. You don't often see someone making these statements with like without a butt somewhere. And then yeah. and there isn't a butt in this. So I, I like I commend her for that. It's obviously like step one of um and it will be interesting to kind of see 
what she does with all of this stuff in that in in that email box, which I agree with you is quite bold. Um, imagine opening an email box. I but, know. You know, good on her. And then Chrissy, and then Chrissy Teigen also another a lot of wisdom. From Chrissy Teigen. She said, "Thank you for this, Allison Roman. To be clear, it never once crossed my mind for you to apologize for what you genuinely thought. The comments stung, but they more so stung because they came from you. It wasn't my usual news break of some random person hating everything about me." I really appreciate Chrissy Ro- Chrissy Roman. I really appreciate Chrissy Teigen saying it didn't occur to me to apologize for what you genuinely thought. Because I hate when people apologize for what they like. I'm sorry I said this, or I'm sorry that I did this. It's just like, and I think it was pretty clear that Allison Roman does think these things. And she didn't say that she didn't. And I, I appreciate that. I think that's also like been well handled that like, it's also like, you know, you can't police what people think. Can you police how they express some of their thoughts? Yes, you can. I think because there are, there are many ways to express your, the same thought <laughs> as we are doing right now. And, and you can also police how you receive and reward thoughts as well i guess yeah or maybe you can't police it police again police has such like a negative quality to it yeah you you have control yeah Yeah, you can question and you can also decide okay this is for me and this is not for me and like you know i i will do this recipe but i'm not gonna i'm gonna send my money here instead so i i agree with you i chrissy tegan goes on in that thread. thread which i just thought was very smart um I think we are like in so many ways. I remember the exact time I realized I wasn't allowed to say whatever popped in my head that I couldn't just say things in the way that so many of my friends were saying before. I never really knew where I stood in the industry in the world. Eventually, I realized that once the relatable quote snarky girl who didn't care became a pretty successful cookbook author and had more power in the industry. I couldn't just say whatever the fuck I wanted. The more we grow, the more we get those wake up calls. I think that's extremely insightful. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's true. That's just good advice to the extent that that's just kind of not, not even like subtweet advice, but that that is just understanding exactly what happened to Alison Roman and, um, putting it in an empathetic and actionable way for everybody else. Very smart. Um, because that is definitely true. And it's so clear that Chrissy Teigen understands that and a lot of people don't. And that is why one of the reasons that Chrissy Teigen is successful as she is, is that she is actually thinking about, oh, I can say this and I can't say this. And this is how I want to express what I'm saying. And that actually does come with filters and consideration and work. But like, I just, I thought it was like very smart media criticism in the middle of this whole storm of her having her feelings genuinely hurt. And then just like being attacked by a lot of trolls. Yeah. She, this was like, Chrissy Teigen's finest hour. If I had any questions about if I left Chrissy Teigen, they've been answered and I do. Shall we move on? I think so. I think let's, the whole world can move on. Let's all move we can on. Learn and move on. Speaking of cooking, Robert Pattinson, lots about what's going on with his, his diet these days as he shelters in place in London, where he had been for um, production on the latest Batman. Amanda, your husband, Zach, interviewed him, uh, presumably from your home, because I I know you guys are both at home, and many details in the piece about the poor internet connection they both faced. Uh, Delightful interview. Robert Pattinson is one of our most delightful celebrities. I think it goes without saying at this point. I completely agree with this. And I, I, you know, I'm a little biased on this particular story, but I also agreed with this even before this story. I just, he is also a great quarantine celebrity. He really rose to the challenge of being interviewed via zoom multiple times, um, for a a quarantine profile. We should say he photographed himself 
for the issue and the cover and all the photographs, which I think are excellent. Um, in terms of it seems he's far better than I am at using a camera. I don't know what I would do if someone was like, I mean, for a number of reasons, including I shouldn't be on the cover of a magazine because I don't look like Robert Pattinson, but he did a great job. I, he got a little weird with it. Good art direction. And then I really think that he had a lot to say about what it's like to kind of live in your own bubble. And he, he delivered. Yeah, he definitely did. He also has a lot of commentary about what it's like to be mega famous right now versus like at other times and playing an iconic role such as Batman. You know, he, first of all, he's basically on a meal plan. Like it's kind of like he's in college, but Batman college where his mm-hmm. foods, his meals are being delivered by Batman production. And it's like to keep him in shape for playing Bruce Wayne slash Batman. And he's so, he's like both so dependent on it and also so resentful. I found that very funny. Right. I did also enjoy that. He's like, I have not been doing the workouts. They no. left him with like two pieces of workout equipment and he's like, I'm supposed to be doing it, but I'm not relatable. He- yeah. And he was pointed to um, James Dean as like not being ripped. And I thought that was a great point. <laughs> it's true. It's true. good stuff. What was like, what's your favorite part of quarantine Pattinson? Quarpats. Oh, so I did think all the insights about kind of how he's been training for this his whole life. And, you know, and he's been famous since he's 21 and he couldn't really go out anywhere and how that affects your brain and the way you live. And we're all kind of just like catching up to his way of life was very insightful. Um, and is like an interesting, you know, snapshot of a moment in a way. My actual favorite part, though, is the pasta, which like I don't even know what to say about the pasta. And I don't totally want to spoil it. I'll I'll do a Cliff's Notes version with some commentary about what I overheard um, while this was being relayed to someone down the hall from me, which is Robert Pattinson. You know, normally when you do a celebrity profile, you, there's like a quote activity, right? Yes. And so I think they'd been talking on Zoom for a while and they decided that the activity is that they're going to cook together. And Robert Pattinson is at first like, let's do like a Top Chef thing um, where we'll each identify items. I He said Top Chef, but I believe it's more what is the food show where, you know, the surprise item is scallops and then you have to make a whole meal. MasterChef? Uh, MasterChef, yeah. MasterChef, right. Anyway, so they were going to try that. But then Robert Pattinson's like, no, no. I'm just going to cook for you because I have been working on this business plan or I was working on this business plan in order to start a a fast food pasta chain. And he had apparently like, he's like, so I'll just make for you what I'm going to do. And Robert Pattinson, just to be clear, is like very famous for pranking interviewers and making things up. And this definitely sounds like something that um, he made up, even though Zach to get some verification, but it culminates in Robert Pattinson making this pasta dish via Zoom. And it definitely sounds like one of the foulest things that anyone has ever done with food ever. He doesn't really want to be a cook, right? Like he wants to like no. be involved with food, but he doesn't want to cook. And Robert Pattinson, I feel you. So any pasta odyssey that begins with how do you microwave pasta is not going to turn out well. <laughs> But, but that's like what sort of like sums him up, right? Like he wants to be involved, but he doesn't want to play the game. And is also making a joke about the whole thing, yeah. right? Like, yeah. I, I do think that this was verified. And I like, I, I will let you know that Robert Pattinson definitely like microwaved pasta and then tried to put tin foil in the microwave because 
our, the doors are very thin in our house. So while this was, this interview was happening, I was just like trying to be as silent as possible, but you could hear like either wild laughter or just very loud, like, don't do that. Don't do that from where Zach was doing the interview. And I think that was around the moment that the aluminum foil goes into the microwave. So he was definitely doing it, but I also think that Robert Pattinson has kind of a weird sense of humor and also a meta awareness of he's like performing the role of celebrity and it's all a bit of a joke. And I just want to say he performed it very well. He really did. I I love him. I, I think he seems like a great goofy guy. Um, Who is he dating right now? He refers to his girlfriend. I believe that it is Suki Waterhouse, according to other blog posts that I have read. Ah, but but that is not mentioned in the piece. That's just me doing independent research. Interesting. Yeah, it's not mentioned in the piece. I wasn't trying to put you on the spot either. No, I, I, you know, I was wondering, I was like, who's who's he dating these days? Suki Waterhouse. She's like super famous in the UK and not nearly as famous here. Mm -hmm. Dated Bradley Cooper, if I recall. I do. I do remember that. Yeah. It always sounded like a fake name to me. Suki Waterhouse. It sounds like a very British name. They come up with, you know, interesting names. I just read Agatha Christie where the heroine is named Bundle. And you're just like, sure, that sounds right. Bundle. Why not? Sure. Yeah. Why not? <sighs> All righty. Let's move on. Megan and Harry update this week. Last week, Megan and Harry posted a really cute video of Megan reading a story to Archie. And it was absolutely adorable. It was for charity. What was the name of the charity? Save the children. I believe so. And, um, it was really wonderful because it was not perfect. It was not particularly staged. It was very authentic. It had Chrissy Teigen esque vibes to it. And it was just really lovely. It was such a peek inside who Megan is as a mother and as a human. And it was just really great. Yeah. It just also, it was very low investment, high reward. She's reading a video. It looks like any other video that you would get from a friend or, you know, see on Instagram, the baby's squirming at one point. He, he's like not interested in the book that's being read to him. He picks up another book and then it's like throwing it around. And she does a great like Jim Halpert straight at the camera, just being like, what am I supposed to do with this child? And, but like in a nice way, you know, it, yeah. it, it was endearing and just like made so much sense. And I think you and I have both uh, questioned some aspects of their media strategy and I watched it and I was like, oh, this is it. Just, you know, do yeah, this. more of this. Yeah. More yeah. of this. Also like two minutes at a time. That's a great length for these Royals. That's all we need as well. I think it was like less than two minutes. It was just really sweet. It was really charming and clearly very authentic and also very quarantine esque. It's sort of like, there's really like the positives of quarantine, which is like getting a a cool home video from Megan and Harry. And then I'm just like, so incredibly sick of live streams and like eventized live streams. I just like, I don't, we've just said it before, but I'm just done with low quality production. Like I understand it's a necessity, but no more on my TV, no more. I just, every time I open Instagram now, it's like 18 different people on IG live, including like people I know and love and I support them, but I don't, I just don't know how many lives I can do. Yeah. It's like, some of them are fine. Like if it's like on Instagram and you're watching Instagram live, it's like fine, but I'm just like sick of watching YouTube on my television or, you know, I think, I think some of them have been like really impressive SNL at home, really, really impressive but I'm just kind of in general over it. Like I'd rather just rewatch old things, which I like to do anyway. So whatever. I agree. I am enjoying production values. Yeah. As they come back to us slowly. 
let's move on. On the topic of zooms and low quality video, there was a really sort of like just silly, but also really hilarious um, story on page six, where the headline is Hollywood's power elite vie for the most exclusive zoom party. It then talks about, here's a quote from the first paragraph. Mega manager Guy O'Siri is taking on WME Don Richard White's for the king of the Zoom shindig. Amanda, who do you think planted this story? I'm guessing someone who is somehow uh, involved with Guy O'Siri or, yeah. or his social media manager or the person who has to set up the Zoom, which our thoughts are with you to the person setting up that Zoom now and always. I mean, how hard is it to even get in this room? I mean, also, like, why do people really... Like, can't they just FaceTime each other? Don't celebrities know each other? It does seem like a lot of people are in these Zooms. And I don't yeah. know how much Zoom you've been doing or kind of what your max is for active, active Zoom users. If yeah. you have more than four windows, I think it just gets very chaotic very fast. Yeah, you, people talk over each other, so then you can't hear anything. I mean, the whole thing is just ridiculous. Also, the names that were dropped, they wrote, after WME partner White says Zoom pandemic party became the hottest password in town, attracting stars including John Mayer, Liam Payne, Marcus Mumford, James Bay, Tina Fey, Charlie Puth, and Billy Ray Cyrus. We're told that Osiri, who's long hosted big Oscar bashes with Madonna, is trying to steal the title from White's. Osiri has Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson, Leonardo DiCaprio, Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, David Spade, Jessica Chastain, A-Rod, Lenny Kravitz, Jimmy Fallon, Shaq, Adam Sandler, Dakota Fanning, Laura Dern, and Netflix boss Ted Sarandos. I mean, I'm sorry, but first of all, it's not even a contest. This one's much better. And second of all, just the, the name checking is hilarious. I'm embarrassed I even read these names off. It does feel like Rising Sun Zoom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. Of like, how many people can we get on this? But like, what are, I just don't understand what these people are doing in a Zoom. At one point, it says that last Friday, Whites hosted a Nashville-themed party with performers including country music superstars Luke Bryan and Darius Rucker, as well as Michael McDonald. So one person's performing, and then is everyone else just kind of like silently watching in a I Zoom guess. room? It's so pedestrian. <laughs> I'm just sort of like, guys, be, be silly, be more ridiculous. Find a better way to do a, a secret meetup. Of course, not actually meeting up, just online. I don't support breaking the rules. Right. Yeah, I just don't understand the numbers and the practicality of it, I have to say. And I just kind of, I understand in real life wanting to be in that room because I guess that's how you network and that's how, you know, you signal to everybody else that you're somebody or something. I'm told that that's how it works. I don't know. I try and to, not to be in rooms with large numbers of people anyway. And I guess you can do that, like scrolling through a Zoom invite list or a Zoom, you know, if you scroll through all the tabs. But I don't know. It just it's this seems like a time for a one on one networking. You know what I mean? Everybody has time. So why don't you go for it? Why don't you say we're just going to be in a Zoom room of three people? Let's seize the day. I don't get it, guys. You just you don't have to do this. You don't have to be like one of us regular people doing these random Zooms, you know? Yeah. Lastly. Last topic of the day, Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande, new song called Stuck With You for it's a it's a quarantine jam. And they put out a video um, that has like a lot of celebrity cameos in it, like almost like too many to even count. I also like some people I'd forgotten about, like I think I unfollowed Yael Cohen Braun and Scooter Braun on 
Instagram. So I kind of forgot about them. And then I saw them in the video and I was like, oh, right. I need to check up on them. I wonder how their quarantine's going. Got to check out the content. Um, obviously they're in it because they manage because uh, Scooter manages both Justin and Ariana. There's a lot of sort of like friends of Scooter involved in this, but um, you know, Steph Curry and Aisha Curry are in it for like a second. There's just like so many people. And I guess the video is also a fundraiser. So that's probably how they got so many people involved, but it was a real, it was a real who's who uh, on par with these secret parties. That's true. It, so the video is of a lot of people like lip dubbing or lip syncing to this song in their various quarantines. And it is celebrities, but it is also, I assume, just like fans or people who, you know, people that I didn't immediately recognize. It's a mix of c- celebrities and non-celebrities. It, is that correct? Yes, for sure. Right. So it may, you really have to watch closely. It's like a spot the celebrity situation, which I, I thought was very smart because I know that if I don't have to sit there glued to every single thing that's happening on my screen, my attention will wander. Oh, so sure. props, props to them. It did also provide a way to compare who has like the home video setup and who knows how to film themselves and who is learning this for the first time. And I say this with respect and love and solidarity for all the people who are learning this for the first time, because I couldn't do it either. But I have to say, I was impressed by Justin Bieber's art direction. He clearly has a selfie stick or some other device, but knew what to do with it. You know, sometimes it's not having the technology. It's having the confidence to try some things out. And he and Haley Bieber did try some things out visually. Yeah. They, she, a lot of Haley Bieber, like a lot. I feel like she was kind of like, I know she's a famous model, but I don't think she really embraced like the Bieber size spotlight until fairly recently. I mean, obviously they're married now and that kind of is part of the territory, but she's like now very present, like a lot of TikToks from her and they do it together. I have to say they seem like a sweet couple. I, I think they seem like they are really trying to like weather the storm that is life together, not just the pandemic. It's very sweet. I mean, I guess I'm influenced by that Vogue profile from last year, but right. um, I was happy to see them together. seems like they're doing well in quarantine. I agree. I have been enjoying their, their TikToks. They do seem very committed to the TikToks, but in a nice way of like, let's have a group project. Yeah. My main thought on the song, Ariana Grande sounds great. Justin Bieber ruins it. It's like not the right style for him. And their voices like just don't blend together at all. They're like two totally different schools of of pop music. And I'm just sort of like, I understand you share a manager and you're both mega famous, but I don't know. I, I, I prefer it if they didn't sing together again. Okay. Well, I, I enjoyed Justin's contribution to the video, which I think is probably also part of the way that it's making money. So I understand why they did it. <laughs> um, that's the kind of content I do want. It's not, it's not supposed to be like a stream. It's just like, check out this video. Look, and also Justin Bieber, you know, he's been doing low quality video for his entire career. So it has like more of a context makes more sense. And I mean that like, you know, in a nice way, like that's just how we started with the home videos. So you'll accept lo-fi production that you can watch on your own time. I just don't like this eventizing of lo-fi production. If there's like a random okay. music video, like it's, it's sort of similar to the call me maybe video, you know, that, that like first viral one. But like I was watching um, Mariah Carey sing one of my favorite Mariah Carey songs through the rain for another fundraiser on YouTube or whatever. I love the Mariah content. I'm so happy to have Mariah Carey. I fucking love through the rain. When, when I'm walking in the rain, I often play it. It's just a great underrated Mariah Carey song from sort of her, her middle era. I'm appreciative of the content, but like, I just don't want more of these telethons. It's just like, I just feel like we're like in, like in stuck in a telethon loop. And like, there's so many other loops going on right now as well. It's just one that I'd like to opt out of going forward. And I love telethons, but somehow they've broken my telethon spirit. 
<laughs> I love telethons. I do. Lippman. I like them too. I mean, have you considered maybe just catching the highlights the next day? Yeah, that's what I've been doing. But even so, I'm okay. just like, I just feel like it's like a lot. I don't know. I agree. I There are a lot of people asking for our attention and it does feel like we've all been evolving through this process together, but it does seem like everyone is kind of caught up to the moment and realized, okay, this is how you have to ask for people's attention. And so now we've just been flooded with every type of home programming that could yeah. possibly exist. And I do find that it's a lot. It is. It is. You know, everyone, find your internet happiness for this next week. We'll be back 